Now listen, all the stories contained within here are retold as they were originally recounted. It may not be suitable for youngins or those with a sensitive disposition. So listener discretion is advised, y'all. Well, y'all, it's just about time for this old gal to settle in to rest these weary bones for the winter. Oh, you know what they say. That old gray man, she ain't what she used to be. <laughs> anyway, but before we part our ways for the season, I've got one more hate story I want to share with y'all. Now, I've saved this one for y'all for a couple of reasons, but mostly because it happened to me back when I was just a youngin'. Now, I know it might come as a shock to some y'all, but I ain't always been an old coot. Why, back in my day, I was always up to something. I'm getting into things, so much so that I probably stood up for my dinner more than I ever sat down for it due to having my hide tanned with a switch nearly every night. <laughs> back then, I figured every single day was an adventure just waiting to be discovered. But that day, well... Let's just say that particular adventure finally taught me that some things just don't want to be found. Now, like I said, this all happened back when I was a young'un, but if I'm real honest with y'all, I was well and truly old enough to know better than to go crawling around in that cave with Sammy and Joshua that day. But as some of y'all know, and others of you will learn in time, youth makes you feel immortal. Right up till fate taps you on the shoulder to prove you wrong. Well now, it was right about the end of summer and the three of us figured we'd have us one last hurrah right before Joshua went off to enlist in the Air Force and Sammy ended up working with his daddy to build houses and I went off for college. We packed up everything in Joshua's old pickup truck, the gear we would need for the week, and took off to wander around Red River Gorge in eastern Kentucky. We'd spent our fair share of time in the Red Canyons, but with Joshua hunting with his brothers and Sammy hiking around with his daddy and me leading Girl Scout troops in the area for summer camping trips, but this was going to be our first time heading out into the gorge altogether without any adults to hover over us like wet blankets. And y'all, we had the time of our lives that week doing everything we loved. While we hiked all over that gorge and climbed on nearly every rock face we could find and swam most every single day. And by the end of the week, we were so bruised and scuffed up and sore all over why it was a thousand wonders any of us could walk at all. And as we were heading back to our campsite on the last night in the gorge, Sammy happened to find a cave about a half mile from our setup that we hadn't ever seen before. Now, right on the inside of the mouth of the cave was a room just big enough for the three of us to stand together, shoulder to shoulder. But back at the end of the cave, the roof sloped down into a small opening that we could all squeeze in through on our bellies. It felt like we'd crawled through that nail tunnel for a dog's age. And at one point, that shaft pitched down so much so that we were all worried we'd end up sliding down to the center of the earth. And just as I started to get a mite concerned we wouldn't be able to climb back out of there, the tiny passage finally began to widen and eventually opened up into a big old room full of some of the most beautiful limestone formations any of us had ever seen in our entire lives. Y'all, 
All of Ruby Falls and Mammoth Caves couldn't hold a candle to the sights we saw in that canyon room. Well, it reminded us of a cathedral with peaked ceilings and arched walls. There were huge white stalactites and stalagmites and columns all over the place that looked like massive pipe organs. To the left of the small tunnel we had crawled through was two larger passages, one veering off behind a wall of flowstone and another heading up to a steep incline to what looked like another tunnel. Since it was already so late in the day, Joshua suggested we come back the next day outfitted with all our gear for a push trip into the other openings. Well, while the two boys chitted away, I walked around the room with my little flashlight looking at all the rock formations and snapping as many photos as I could with what little film I had left of our day's adventure. I started daydreaming about being the first folks to have discovered a brand new cave system in the area, one with draperies that hung nearly to the floor in places and flowstone formations over 30 feet tall and others. Sammy finally suggested we headed back to our camp, so we all shimmied back through the tunnel we'd come through. Within a few minutes of belly crawling, we all had somehow ended up into a larger passage. Joshua was leading the charge and had somehow got it in his full head that we had walked into the hole we first entered, so by the time I popped out of the tunnel into the open space, the boys had continued on through down the wrong passage. Hey, y'all. We're going the wrong way, I said to the boys ahead of me. We crawled all the way in. We never did stand up till we got into that room. Now, it won't surprise any of you when I tell you that them boys turned around and told me that I was wrong, even though neither one of them could remember their asses if it won't attach to their backsides. Well, after a good five minutes or so of arguing, both Joshua and Sammy took off down that wrong passage like they were Sherman's army storming off to burn down Atlanta. Boy, let me tell you, Matt don't even begin to tell you how I was feeling in that moment. I could feel it in my guts that Joshua and Sammy knew I was right, but they just didn't want to admit it. I kicked a pile of loose stones at a wall as I tried to figure out what I was going to do. I could either follow them and hope we could find another exit, or I could go back on my own and let them figure out how stupid they was in their time. It was just then, while standing in the pitifully weak light of my quickly dimming flashlight, that I began to feel that creepy crawling feeling you get when you just know something's watching you. For a moment, I stood there paralyzed as fear started to race all over my skin. Suddenly, I heard Sammy call out for me to catch up, so I swallowed the lump in my throat and I raced down that passage after them. Now, folks, there are times in your life when being proved right can be the most delicious victory you can imagine. But being lost for over five hours in a cave with no food or water and with two flashlights all but petered out, well, let me tell y'all, that was not one of those delicious times. About 30 minutes down the wrong passage, we finally turned around after the boys admitted that they was idiots. But it was as we walked back the way we'd come that nothing looked familiar. Within 15 minutes, we stumbled into another room, smaller than the canyon room we'd first found. A quiet sob escaped my throat as I ran into Sammy's backside. We all knew we hadn't come across this room earlier. We'd taken another wrong path somehow. Well, we turned back again, and as we walked, I picked up a small rock and started marking X's every hundred steps or so. 
Sammy had taken the lead by now and was walking real slow, trying to make sure we didn't walk past any other hidden tunnels or passages. And I kept swinging my flashlight beam all around us, trying to chase away as many shadows as I could. That creepy crawling feeling had only gotten worse the further we walked, and I could swear I heard shuffling and grunting sounds every so often. I tried to tell the boys I thought something was following us, but... They just laughed nervously and said I must be letting the darkness get to me. Eventually, Sammy said we needed to turn around and retrace our steps again. But when we started walking back the way we came, we couldn't find not one of them X's on the path we'd been walking on. It's as if somebody's wiping them off the walls as we went. By that point, I was right between being put near hysterical and pitching a hellacious hissy fit. I sat right down next to a rimstone pool and tried to pull myself together while the boys argued about what to do. My stomach growled loudly, and I swore under my breath at the thought of the packs laying at the mouth of the cave with our canteens and leftover fruit from the day just waiting on us. And then I wondered who would find our packs if we never made it out of the cave. Not a soul knew we were in there. And why, sure... We were supposed to be home the following day, but none of our families would have ever thought twice of any of us dragging our feet and coming home. Would it be a week by the time they found our campsite and then stumbled on our packs? Maybe two? I thought of my mama and never getting the chance to tell her how much I appreciated everything she'd ever done for me. And then I thought of my daddy and never getting the chance to make him proud. I felt Joshua's hand on my knee, and as I looked up at him, it dawned on me that I'd been crying with big, heaving sobs. He smiled at me and told me we were going to get out of that cave even if he had to bust a hole to the surface with Sammy's hard head as the hammer. <laughs> I laughed to fill that now hall and bounced back to us in a very strange and hollow way that just didn't feel quite right. We looked around at each other, and we all quickly agreed that it was about time for us to be moving along. And as I started to push myself off the ledge of that pool, I caught movement out of the corner of my eye. I looked down at the pool of water, thinking I must have knocked a rock loose, and what I saw in the reflection still makes my breath hitch in my throat every time I think about it. On the rock ledge above my head, there were two massive skeletal hands gripping the edge, and between them rested a long, narrow, bald head with widespread ears that were swiveling back and forth. I froze in place and sucked in a startled gasp, which caused the creature's reflection to cock its head back and pivot its ears towards the sound. Sammy asked me what was wrong just as he turned the flashlight beam in my direction. In the watery light, I could see the creature's skin was so pale you could see veins running under it. Its nose was flared and upturned as if it was sniffing at the air, and its long tongue flicked in and out of a mouth that was just way too big for my liking. But the worst of it was that the creature didn't have any eyes. And I don't mean its eyeballs was missing, y'all. I mean that the thing didn't even have a place to put eyes. Where they should have been was just smooth skin. It dawned on me in that moment that this thing was meant to live in the darkness. That this cave was its home. Its hunting ground. 
and we very well could be its prey. Well, I didn't have time to scream. Joshua jerked me up so fast he nearly tore my arm right out of the socket. We dashed through those passages as quickly as we could, moving in them tight spaces. I kept thinking we shouldn't be running. At any minute, we could trip over something or run off a ledge and fall into a deep canyon. A thousand thoughts kept blowing through my mind, but none of us ever slowed down. As I rounded a bend behind the boys, I watched Samus shimmy up a mountain of flowstone and crawl into a tunnel. Joshua screamed at me to her as he scrambled up the rocks like a spider and dove into the hole just as Sammy's feet disappeared. I vaulted up the formation on legs that were just too exhausted from the day's worth of climbing and hiking and five useless hours of wandering through a damn cave. Y'all, I did not think I was going to make it. With every step I took, I prayed my feet would not falter and that my knees would not give out. The rock was slimy with cave water and the mud from the boys' feet, and I struggled to find any purchase. I could hear movement and soft, staggered grunts behind me, but I didn't dare turn around. My left hand slipped out from underneath me, and my face smacked the rock so hard with a wet thud that I thought my brains was going to ooze out right there. My ears immediately began to ring like church bells on a Sunday morning, but I just kept climbing. Suddenly, my hand gripped the edge of the tunnel, and I shot over the rocky floor on my hands and knees. I could worry about the pain later. In that moment, I just wanted to get out of that cave alive. I caught up to Joshua and Sammy in a flash. I screamed for them to not stop, and I clawed at Joshua's legs, trying to get past him. I could feel my chest tighten down on every breath I drew, and black spots filled my eyes, but I was not about to stop. Joshua looked back at me and saw the blood running down my forehead and swore with a gasp. Then he laid down flat and told me to crawl over the top of him. Once I got over him and looked up, I could see a pale gray light beyond Sammy's head and shoulders. Oh my God, is that an exit? I cried as we crawled towards the glow. After what felt like an eternity, Sammy disappeared and a few seconds later I saw grass and brush in front of me. I scurried out of the hole and out into the night with Joshua right on my heels. The three of us jumped up and ran into the woods like we was on fire, down an embankment and collapsed next to a small stream to try and catch our breath. Well now, the rest of the story is a bit fuzzy from there. Mercifully, Sammy somehow knew where we were in relation to our camp and went to get our packs. Joshua stayed with me next to the stream and helped me clean up my cracked head and bloodied hands and knees. Luckily, we ended up only about ten minutes from our campsite, and when Sammy returned to the stream, he brought my sleeping sack so that they could make a litter to carry me back. The next morning, I woke up with a headache that could make a prize fighter rethink his choices. With what my grandmother would call the proper amount of shame, Sammy walked over to me and handed me a cup of coffee and a bowl of oatmeal. The three of us sat down around the fire in silence for a good long while as I ate and tried not to take the boys' heads off at the shoulders for being complete jackasses. After a while, though, both of them apologized for not listening to me in the first place, and eventually we began to talk about what happened the night before. Joshua said he had barely seen the creature when the light fell on it, and Sammy said he never saw it at all. 
Well, I reckon the only reason I got a good look at it at all was because I was looking at its reflection in the pool. And both of the boys were sure the creature didn't chase us, that we had to have scared it off as we were carrying on. Well, I asked them why we ran then, if we were so sure we weren't being chased, and for a good long while neither one of them answered. Eventually, though, Sammy mumbled some old baloney about collective fear, but I'd stopped listening by then. They didn't hear what I heard when I was climbing that flowstone. They didn't hear those footfalls and them grunts right on my heels, but I didn't have the strength to argue with them idiots. I just wanted to go home. Well, none of us have ever been back to that cave, and I can guarantee you that all of the money in the world could never get any of us to ever go back. Why, all these years later, I can still close my eyes and see that creature listening to us like it happened just five minutes ago. Now, sure, I have no idea if that thing was stalking and hunting us, or if it was just plain old curious about us strange creatures who was invading its home. But either way, y'all, I don't care to find out. And I suggest y'all don't go looking either. Some things are just best left in the darkness. Hey, y'all. I just wanted to say welcome and thank y'all for stopping by. I'm Miss Dahlia, and this is Southern Hate Stories. This channel's a home for all the American Southern legends that I've gathered over the years that I want to share with you kind folks. But if you'd rather listen to my stories while y'all are stuck in traffic or doing a little workout, well, that's just fine by me. Won't y'all head on over to that old podcast player of yours and search for Southern Hate Stories there, or you can find all my tales at anchor.fm forward slash southernhankstories. By the way, do you happen to have a local or regional hate story you want to share? I'm always looking for southern tales to entertain y'all with, so if you're willing, won't you write me at dlewmcavoy at gmail.com and let me know all about the ghosties in your garden. Maybe we can find a place for your story here on the channel sometime. And you know, I'd love to know what you think of southern hate stories, so won't you leave a comment or a review so y'all can help me build this into something we can all love and enjoy together. And while y'all are over that way, make sure you take a gander at the description of the channel's homepage and visit all the lovely individuals who help make Southern Hank stories possible. But mostly, I just want to thank y'all so very, very much for coming over and listening. I can't tell y'all how much it means to this old black soul of mine to share all these wonderful stories I grew up listening to with you kind people. Now go on and have a lovely day, you hear?